Hey, this is Laura. And Stephen. And this is our podcast, Midday Musings, where we take our lunch break to chit chat about whatever is on our mind. Today, we're talking about the cozy weather and the fall activities that come along with that. We talk briefly about a book called Cold People, give a review of Five Nights at Freddy's, and give our opinions on practical versus computer generated visual effects. Come and join us. Hey there, Stephen. Hey, Laura, what's up? Oh, not much. You know, it's it's a beautiful fall day. It's a beautiful fall lunch break. It is, isn't it? It's been quite a fall uh, season of fun and events and activities. We hope you all are out there having fun and activities too. It's the fall season, whether that's Halloween for you or Diwali coming up for you or just autumn goodness. Like that's exact, That's what we've been doing, spending a lot of time getting some good autumn goodness in. Indeed, indeed. So, Stephen, how's your emotional state? My emotional state is, it's pretty chill, actually. I'm like, I'm relaxed, relaxed, but also like just thinking, all right, relax, but like making sure that I'm ready for whatever comes next for me today or tomorrow. So I'm like, relaxed, but spring loaded. (laughs) Spring loaded. Ironically, yeah. What about you? What's your emotional state? I too am pretty relaxed. It's moving into like the rainy, rainy weather season and uh, rainy weather really does it for me. Like I I feel psychologically soothed by the presence of rain Mm. and I like the darkness. I I enjoy (laughs) sunlight. However, sunlight and I don't get along necessarily because I am so pale and constantly concerned about sunburn during during summer. But in (laughs) winter, in fall and winter, we can wear clothes. For example, yeah, just sweaters. cover up that whole area and you, you, it, it's face time and sweater time. And that is my time. Jackets, scarves, gloves, you know, you really can tights. just get tights. I mean, not for me so much. Maybe, you could wear you know, tights. I, I could. I could. No one says that I couldn't. Mm-hmm. It's not really in my five-year plan, but maybe my 10-year plan. We don't know. But I do really love the bundling up and the, the the rainy weather for me. I know some people are like, oh, I just love the summer. But for me, this is cozy weather. This this is the weather. This is the time when you hang out, you watch movies, you relax, you, you drink warm things, mm-hmm. and you appreciate the time that you have. You appreciate the, the fact that you are surviving and living and thriving in the winter months, which historically speaking is actually a very tough time for a lot of a lot of the world. So that's where a lot of these yeah. these like kind of winter holidays came from. You have these these holidays that um, where people came together, they shared food and they bundled up for warmth and they appreciated that they are surviving during the winter months and also just spent that time to appreciate and, and get warm together with people. Hunker down. Oh yeah. And in the modern era, um, assuming you are privileged enough to have access to a working electrical grid and can pay for your electricity we've defeated winter in terms of the physical discomfort right now i am beneath an electric blanket enjoying a cool like a smooth 70 degrees from my my room heater and i'm just vibing yeah like i was i was reading walden pond earlier and one of the one of the uh, ideas is that warmth is essential to getting things done and I fully believe that. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm cold, I'm so mad. 
when I'm cold, I just can't focus. I, I, all I'm doing is eating as much as I can. I feel like I, I'm a bear in a past life because when when I'm cold, all I want to do is eat everything I can just to get as much warmth in my stomach as I can or find a blanket and go underneath it. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a big blanket girl. I'm, I'm currently trying to figure out how I can incorporate electric blankets into my everyday outerwear. <laughs> and as I was thinking this, my social media was recommending products to me that were the very things I described. Of course. Which is great. I love that capitalism is trying to solve my problem, but this is a personal mission. <laughs> I, I want to handle this with my own hands. You want to figure I mean, it out yourself. I Make do want to figure it out. Take an electric blanket, turn it into your outerwear. You know, don't worry about the electrocution issues. Like you'll, it's fine. You'll figure it out. <laughs> the electrocution issues. Possible electrocution issues. Dude, when I'm cold, I feel like I'm slowly dying. Is that a dramatic response? Well, I think I mean, it's factual, right? It, I, so, I mean, I, I've been reading this book, uh, Cold People, mm-hmm. by the uh, Tom Rob Smith, and it's about people living in Antarctica, mm-hmm. and the biggest threat to their survival is the cold. So, I mean, I think your body naturally responds to cold with, oh, shoot, I think this might be the first stage of dying, especially because you kind of tend to run cold already. So any, any bit of extra cold is like, I think I'm going into dangerous territory here. I'm in danger. Yeah. And and sometimes I am. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> in like the coldest of climates in the world. I mean, hypothermia is like the number is like one of the highest uh, is like highest cause of death. So I think you're right to be concerned about being cold. So not dramatic is your your vote. Your body is being dramatic, but it's doing exactly what it's supposed to be doing. Is what I I think it means. You're not being dramatic. Your body is. <laughs> it's doing its job, but dramatically, I suppose. Anything on your mind, bro? Um, you know, I was thinking about a couple things. Um, that book, Cold People, has really been on my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, the haunted soiree that we went to the other day mm-hmm. uh, that was also on my mind. Also, just all the good media we've been watching. I'm trying to think what. Um, yeah, those are the those are the top things on my okay, mind. Okay. Okay. What about so, you? Tell me what the haunted soiree is, because not everyone knows. The haunted soiree is basically if you took an escape room, you put it inside of a not haunted but spooky historic mansion in a city, and you told people dress up come hang out there are going to be costume people dressed up like ghouls and ghosts and you have to solve a murder mystery as a group i mean you you can you also don't have to there's uh seasonal cocktails that you get as part of the invite and mocktails for those of you who don't necessarily drink and it's just a good time it's very halloweeny very spooky you get to solve puzzles as a, as friends, or you can just hang out and listen to live music and impromptu performances that are very spooky. Uh, so yeah, it's just it's just a good time. Second year doing it, and I definitely recommend it. Oh yeah, it's a great combination: haunted experience, theater experience, uh, cocktail party, and as a prior theater kid, like that is my jam. Yeah. I, I want to watch people dressed in, in weird things, do weird things to me and demand audience participation, even though it's uncomfortable for most of the audience. That is amazing. <laughs> we should do more of that. Right. But what's preoccupying me a little bit is Five Nights at Freddy's, oh. which we saw recently. And uh, I've had, I've enjoyed greatly going through the internet's reaction to Five Nights at Freddy's. 
because millennials are like, what is this? <laughs> I do not understand what I am looking at. And Gen Z is feral for it. That delights me. It was, to, in, in my view, a very unique Halloween movie. PG-13, first and foremost, very rare yeah. lately. Ever since Deadpool, we have been R-rating everything we can. And it was just, it, it was unexpected. It was fun and a little bit silly. And Matthew Lillard. I, I love Matthew Lillard. And I love that you called him a scream king yes. when we were watching it. Because A, so correct. Mm -hmm. He is a scream king. He's been in horror movies since the 90s. And he's just so good in them. Yeah. My mom hates him. So he's not for boomers. But <laughs> but Matthew Lillard is in Five Nights at Freddy's and he's in an upcoming uh, Mike Flanagan production, mm. which you know is going to be horror. So I'm here for the return of Matthew Lillard. I have been waiting. I loved him in 13 Ghosts. <laughs> I only want more. Yeah. You know, I really like what they did with Five Nights at Freddy's story-wise. I haven't actually played through an entire Five Nights at Freddy game, but I have seen playthroughs. And what I'm seeing is there's sort of like ambient storytelling. You kind of mm -hmm. get bits and pieces here, but it's mostly visual. Yeah. So they really had to kind of double down. They had, they had to have, they had to expand upon the story, which I think they did a really good job with. Like yeah. they, you know, they, they gave the main character some tie-ins to his brother who was kidnapped as a young age. So he has like a, a connection to to the idea of children being imperiled. And mm -hmm. that's a big theme in Five Nights at Freddy. Children who are, have been uh, kidnapped or are imperiled or have been hurt by adults. And uh, so it gives him like more meat and more juice. And then they connect him with like this police officer who just shows up randomly and is like, hello, I, I am, I guess, a romantic interest. All but of the ladies love Josh Hutcherson. I think... like. There's no romantic subplot, no. but all of the ladies love Josh Hutchinson, the main the main character. I think it's subconscious. What happened is they all saw him opposite uh, Jennifer Lawrence in, in Hunger Games and said, "That's my man. That is the kind of man that I want." So they're subconsciously attracted to him. Possibly, uh, I would uh, <laughs> annoying actor insight. My theory is that your goal, your job as an actor, is to make the most interesting choice available. And in these scenes, the most interesting choice available to the female characters is to flirt with, with their main character, even though they're just expositioning. The most interesting thing you can inject into that, that scene is sexual tension. So I'm here for it. And what I love best about it is there's zero response yeah, he's like, from mm. the main character. He's like, he is too tired. He doesn't even for notice any it. Of your stuff. He doesn't even notice it. He's just sleepy he the whole movie. Notice the whole movie. <laughs> He, he's doing his job as, you know, sec the security guy at Five Minutes of Freddy. Falls asleep every single night. He would have been fired from that job immediately. <laughs> but what you realize that him sleeping a lot actually has to do with some of the plot stuff, which I won't oh, yeah, go into yeah. here. Uh, but it is it is interesting how they do that. And I, I do love that there are all these women making advances. And he's like, that's cool. He's I'm not even not that's even cool. He's just like fully no acknowledgement. Doesn't even know it's happening. Which you can make the argument is elemental to his character like it communicates his character in so much as he's not noticing what is 
current about his life mm -hmm. or the future. He's not invested in the present and the future. He oh, yeah. is wholesale invested in the past. Mm -hmm. And that's also what Five Nights, what um, Freddie Fazbear's dealio is. It's, it's the past. It is an edifice to the past. Past. It's closed down. Everything is still watched over and retained. And at night, yeah. <laughs> things happen. Freddie Fazbear's little entertainment theme park is very much like the main character consumed by the past yeah basically a ghost operating still needing a security guard still having the police officer come by to check on it occasionally guinevere beck from the first season of you if if anyone's a you fan here she is again always a pleasure oh that was her i didn't even yeah. recognize her Oh, oh, yeah. I recognized, well, because I can see faces, I recognized her immediately, but also her voice is really distinct to me, so I could I could pick her out of a, an audio lineup. Oh, and like, in my opinion, the most important thing, the Five Nights at Freddy practical effects, so the robot, the animatronics, are Jim Henson Studios productions, so they are extraordinary pieces of work. They look great, they look cute, and they're so full of character. Mm -hmm. Oh, the, yeah. The cupcake. Oh, the little cupcake. The little cupcake. That, 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 the chica, that the chica animatronic holds. Mm -hmm. that, that guy has so much personality. That little cupcake with the teeth and the eyes. It's like... Oh, yeah. Just like the lowering of the eyes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was something. I remember we, were, uh, we, we happened to see those actual animatronics that they used in the movie at Universal Studios. We, were, we got a chance to, to see them. Yeah. and. Up front, up close and personal, sometimes props in movies, they kind of, they, they fade. They look fake. They look fake. But those, when we saw them in person, they looked like they do in the movie. They look real. They look good. And they really look Jim Henson-y when you see them. But like dark Jim henson -y. Oh, yeah. Dark Jim Henson. Yeah. It's always exciting when practical effects are used. Not only because they look better and not only because they provide the performers more of a locus of focus. There's just something pure about that in cinema. I, I'm a big practical effects girly. Like Jurassic Park's practical effects are why it's so friggin' good. Oh, yeah. And also CGI can't simulate weight. And that is always really obvious to a human brain. It notices when things aren't load-bearing. So, for example, the Flash movie that just came out, buckets of CGI there. But the thing that makes it really disorienting to watch is that these CGI flashes look like they have no weight in their body. Yeah. And that's what makes them look fake. Practical effects, you don't even have to worry about that. And you can connect to them as an audience member so easily. It really improves my experience. Oh, yeah. As a viewer. Definitely. And, and th this may be totally incorrect. So as he goes faster and faster, I think he eventually gets to close to or exceeds the speed of light. And if I, this, I might be wrong, but I believe the faster something moves, the more mass it has. I, I'm not entirely sure if that's true, but if it is, then that also makes like he should seem heavier as he's going faster. Uh, but yeah, he does. He just seem like he's just kind of zipping through. He doesn't seem like he has like a like a body as much as. Oh yeah, I know. mean, and visual effects are still super duper young. Oh, like yeah. they're they're maybe uh, computer effects, maybe 30 years old, and, and there's just a lot that we haven't successfully programmed it to simulate oh yet. yeah they're babies but I, I do also really love like you said when practical effects take place 
um, industrial light magic that was involved mm -hmm. in the creation of, of Jurassic Park, they actually used miniatures. Like the Jeep, it does make a difference because you, you can tell, even though CGI is very, very good, you can still tell it's just a little bit off. It's not, oh yeah, you know. It's, it's off and more worryingly, it's more expensive yeah. to do CGI than oh, it is so to do expensive. practical effects. And it has a worse, a worse result, which is an insane thing to me. It does require an effects artist to achieve practical effects. And they're, they're rarer than you would know. Mm -hmm. Another thing that Five Nights at Freddy's has that makes it unique is it really goes heavily into uh, YouTuber cameos. Yeah. I couldn't identify them due to the fact, due to the fact that I'm not Gen Z. But... I do know that Matt Pat showed up yeah. uh, at a certain point. Matt Pat from Game Theory. That's crazy. Yeah, film theory, game theory. I think he does food. He has another theory channel as well. I've fallen off the Matt Pat wagon. Yeah, but definitely game theory and film theory. And he's he's like a huge YouTuber, and like every everyone knows him. Like, oh yeah, of course. It's just really exciting to see the evolution in in MediaScape. So millennials and those older look at this, look at the inclusion of YouTubers and they're like, oh no, the, I do not recognize this. I do not like this. This has changed. But it really is beneficial to, to image workers in general because it means that there is a larger pool of mm. performers that are relevant to the audience. And that's great. Like more places, more spaces for performers to perform. I, I'm, I'm a huge fan. Two, two thumbs way up. And the democratization of media, the continued democratization of the media slipping into a, a large film production like Five Nights at Freddy's, gratifying to see. Oh, yeah. Um, people don't think about it a lot, but the, the rise of the film industry was extraordinarily democratizing for the United States and likely other places, but here we are in the United States. So people who had no, no history, family, whatever, as long as they could perform, suddenly they had a really good jobs. They could support families. Like they lifted thousands and thousands of people out of poverty. And that's also what social media influence does and what YouTube stardom does. It's lifting people who wouldn't have had the same chance out of poverty. And that's, that's why we're here, baby. Yeah. That's what we do. Yeah. It, it reminds me of those, those, that studio that they created, I believe in Thailand or Indonesia, the, the influencer studio that you, you shared with me the other day. Oh yeah. Like a lot of people think that that's dystopian. Listeners I, would probably believe that to be I dystopian. I 100% disagree. That, that is, that is democratizing the, uh, you know, this, the, the production line, like you yeah. can, you, you could be anyone and you just rent a space out at that place. And now you can produce content. You don't have to have like a fancy setup at home. You just go there and you produce your content. Like that just means anyone can use this, use a studio. Like that's great. You know, you don't need a lot of infrastructure. You just rent it. <laughs> you know, it, it may look a little weird if you've never been on a set. If but never, it looks, yeah. If you've never seen like a bunch of different shows being shot at the same time. But what Instagram and what social media stars are at this point is they're doing a bunch of tiny shows. And so mm -hmm. what, what I saw when I was looking at this this influencer farm or whatever they're calling it on mm -hmm. Reddit is a production studio where all of these tiny in Instagram and YouTube shows are being shot at the same time. And that's great. That's awesome. It is great. Yeah. We need one over here if we don't have one already. 
Yeah, I, I know that content houses exist and there are likely small scale and probably even large scale production studios in that area. I'm excited for the future of content. Of course, we're all rotting our brains, but I, I promise you we've been rotting our brains for as long as we've been able. <laughs> and yeah. everyone's always mad when something new shows up in the culture. Oh yeah, like books. People were livid when people books came out. People hated books. People got their noses in books instead of talking to the people around them. And then turn around and did the same thing when the internet, or when the phones came out there, people always on the phone. Kids in the 80s always on their phones instead of, you know, kids, on the 80s. kids in the 80s talking to people on the phone. Oh, yeah. Instead yeah. of, you know, going out and doing stuff. Now it's it's cell phones, Internet, Instagram. Like people are always upset when things change. I, I always think back to that that famous picture that was taken in the 1910s. That's just a rail car. So people on a train going to work and every last one of them has a newspaper up in front of them. Yeah. Yeah. They're not talking to their fellow man. That's not yeah. what they want to do on the way to work. Human beings have always tried to avoid speaking to one another, and I assure you technology has only given us better options for doing that. Because it is exhausting to talk to people all day, every day. Yeah, you constant contact. You it, need a break. Yeah, it'll kill your social battery. We've always had breaks. We've always had things to give us breaks. And before then, people had other ways to do breaks. They would probably, they would like, I don't know, whittle or something. Or oh, they yeah. Would... If I lived in 1820, I would be whittling up a storm. Yeah. Or they could like meditate or pray or something and just kind of like that's their, that's them time, you know, that to like just disappear and disconnect, get a little break from having to interact with people all the time. Like that's just that's just what it is. It's just being around people all the time, especially when you're in a city can be pretty overwhelming and you need yeah. something that can give you a little break. It's true. You have a you need to create an alone space in public. Yeah. And that makes me warm. Oh, yeah. Just like this electric blanket. Oh, yeah. I love that you can even just put you can even just put headphones over your ears. And even if you're not listening to anything, that is a universal sign for please give me some personal space. And people usually, if they if they get it, if they if they're polite, they'll just leave you alone and you yeah. can just hang out. I do that sometimes. I'll just put on headphones and I've got nothing on. I'm just like, this is a long time. Yeah, but maybe maybe you're watching Five Nights at Freddy on uh on your Peacock app on yeah. your phone. Maybe that's how you're doing it. This movie is fun for the whole family, despite the fact that it is dark. There, there are some, you know, there is there are some deaths within it, but it's it's relatively accessible. Like yeah. it's and I, there I is love a, how they did it. There is a scene that will literally blow your mind. <laughs> there is one scene in the middle that will make your brain go, What am I watching? And it's beautiful. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's about all the time we have. Yeah, I think so. I think so. But uh, this has been excellent. I really, I'm glad you brought up the Five Nights at Freddy thing because uh, you were right. Like, it, it sounds like it's really been blowing up the box office. People, people, at least Gen Z, really loves it. And oh yeah, it's, I get uh, it. It's the why. highest grossing film that was theaters and streaming release on the same day. So that's that's great. It's beat out Black Widow, which was the last one. No kidding. Yeah, nice. which released on Disney Plus and in theaters on the same day. Nice. Yeah. So I'm I'm hoping for a sequel. I'm I'm a fan of the property. Oh, look at you, Five Nights at Freddy. And just to think you were just it was once just a, a little indie game about like a spooky Chuck E. Cheese style horror, oh, you know, scenario. And now it's like framing. now it's a Universal Studios movie. That's cool. That's, that's beautiful. That is the American dream. That is the American dream for content. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway, it's been great talking to you, Stephen. You too, Laura. Yeah. Catch you on the next lunch break. Catch you on the next lunch break. Bye. Right, bye. This has been Stephen. And Laura. Thanks for tuning in to Midday Musings, the podcast where we talk about all things large and small. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and look out for polls and Q&As in future. We'd love to hear from you. Share your thoughts and reactions with us on Spotify and on social media. Catch you next lunch break.